There are people who are born in the world today who will make a career from being a digital gamer. That's the fascinating thing about the world we live in. How do we know this is true? Because there are people in the world who were born 15 years ago who are making a living as an esports figure. I mean, it's an incomprehensible idea to a, a kid like me who grew up in the 80s and had to run around in a rugby field that I could make a living without breaking a sweat. And that's what we're talking about today with two very interesting figures from the gaming industry. First up, hello, Jason Provost. How are you? Hello, Toby. Good to be here. And, uh, and I have to admit that I've known Jason for probably 30 years. I think we bumped into each other right at... I was a journalist. You worked for, for MWeb. You were running Supersport, if I'm not mistaken, at the time. Well, supersport.com. .com, that's right. Let's specify. Uh, and, and you're now the general manager for digital services at MTN South Africa, where, as it happens, you can go to work in tackies and play games. Or at least that's what Brad Kirby does. He's in charge of gaming and esports at MTN South Africa. And, uh, and you definitely look like you're a gamer, I've got to say. You know. In my 20s, I used to joke with my friends that the reason I became a journalist was that I could go to work in jeans and tackies. But like, you've nailed it. You know? <laughs> we most certainly do wear tackies and hoodies. But unfortunately, we don't get to play games all day. But generally, we do all night. Yes, yes. And, and that's why we have the, the, the complexion. Um, I, have, I have the gamer complexion and I'm not actually much of a gamer. But, but what's fascinating to me about games in general is that, you know, if you look at what happened to teenagers during COVID, teenage girls suffered disproportionately more than teenage boys. And the research showed that the reason is the, the boys no longer run around on a sports field as a pack. They do that digitally inside a game. And, and there's a kind of camaraderie and dare we call it a tribe or a community that, that young boys, young teenage boys were able to belong to during this weird COVID physical separation period. But, but more than that, I think games are, are kind of like an essential life skill now. It, to my mind, gaming is, is, is not just entertainment. It's how half of the world, three quarters of the teenagers, boys and you know some girls, are using gaming as a way to entertain themselves, but they're also a critical set of life skills for interacting with other people. So uh, I like that. I completely agree. Um, it's, it's a lot more than, than just entertainment. Um, you know, for me personally, I grew up in the arcades. For me, yeah, my, me life, my life changed when I was around seven. What was your high score on Xevious? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I used to run, that was, uh, because they used to turn the arcades off, you couldn't keep high scores. So I used to have a notepad and I used to keep everybody's high scores in because we always wanted to know who okay, was the you're best. Okay, you're a little bit more A-type than me, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, things really, really changed when, when you didn't have to do that, when you actually had PvP, yeah. when you could play like Street Fighter really revolutionized it but I mean outside of the entertainment I think it really has given us a lot of social skills that we don't get credited for and also a lot of cognitive abilities I think a lot of my problem solving skills my tenacity your perseverance um, ability to track multiple moving objects at different velocities in yeah. space 
um, and again well, for well, social thank, thank you for, for, for converting a first person shooter <laughs> up into necessary cognitive training for, for a small child there are, there are teenagers everywhere who thank you for that definition they will replay to their parents well it's true if you look now at the moment a lot of the, the, the three letter number agencies in the states are only targeting and recruiting a, a lot of high value gamers because of their cognitive ability yeah, I've read that it's an, it, it's such an interesting test isn't it let's just double click on that as the consultants would say and, and talk about it because it's it's a really fascinating way of finding out what skills people are good at and who would have thunk it gaming is very good at showing analytical problem-solving skills in a certain environment obviously but it masks it as entertainment and yeah. what you often find why a lot of teachers enjoy a lot of things that happen specifically in 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 massively multiplayer gaming is that people are playing a game and then in order to min and max their characters and their abilities they're doing very detailed and complicated maths in the background where without even realizing that this is what they're doing. And then when they show um, the, the, the lecturers what they're doing, a lot of these guys are absolutely blown away by the level of complexity that they're doing in order to get the minimum and maximum out of their characters. Yeah. And a, a lot of parents get all uptight when their kids are playing games, particularly young kids. But I think something like Minecraft is incredible and would be encouraging every parent to, to have their kids from a young age playing Minecraft because it, it, it really teaches those skills and construction and, you know, actually creative abilities yeah. to, to, to build things. Well, you see, Minecraft is kind of like a Lego game in a virtual environment. On whereas, steroids. Yeah. On steroids. And, and, and some of the stuff I've read and seen about how people are using Minecraft in education is phenomenal. It's, it gives kids an opportunity to problem solve, look at a big problem, adapt, overcome obstacles, it sounds like a class of karate. <laughs> yeah, but often when you're doing that in an in a typical uh, like educational environment, it can be stale and boring, and you're just there because you have to be there. You often find that your students are a lot more engaged when games are built on top of these education systems, and they're on the cusp of having epic wins. As a parent, yeah. can you imagine what it would be like if your child constantly came back to your dad? I don't want to go home. I want to go back to school. I want to carry on learning things because it's fun yeah. and it's engaging. Well, well, that's you see, that's the sign of gaming, I think, that people don't see because what they do see is this endless late-night teenage boys on their PS consoles or Xboxes, you know, endlessly playing, staying up late, trash-talking. It doesn't look outwardly like it's it's a useful education sure. technique, does it? But but it, it, it you can't you just can't get past the fact that this is how teenage boys entertain themselves i mean in the early days of of the us drone missions or the drone program oh, the controllers for the drone gamers were playstation controllers because that's what the 18 year old us grunts who were flying them had spent 5 years training on or playing on so 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 that is a, like a kind of real world consequence it's not particularly pleasant but nonetheless it shows you just how intricate a part gaming plays in 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 so many lives doesn't it absolutely and i think there's also just the the social dimension you know it's if if kids are excluded from that social interaction you talk about 
you know, boys. And, and, and I don't think it's just boys. I think there's a, a growing community of, of women who, who play games. Um, but just to be excluded from that because yeah. you don't play games, it's actually yeah. a, become a social necessity. It's, you it's, have to be able to play games. You have to be able to it's engage kind of like with not, friends and people about about that stuff. It's kind of like not having a BlackBerry, you know, yeah. ten years ago. What's your BBM pin? You didn't, you know. So, so uh, you're right. You're right, Jason. I'm talking about shoot 'em uppers as, as a teenage boy game, whereas casual gaming is a lot more. There's a lot more in it. You know, I was, I was, I was watching Despicable Me with my son, who's six. And in it, one of the characters is playing with a Nintendo Wii. And I'm trying to think to myself, when did the movie come out? I think it might have come out when that was the current technology. And think about what a breakthrough game that was. My parents were in their 80s. They used to play with I never got my Wii back from them. They used to play with it all the time. Well, they play tennis. tennis. Mm-hmm. My mother loved tennis. Tennis was the killer. Yeah, it was. A, it, and it was, that's gaming. But actually, it's just... People hanging out, having fun. So, so it's it's gaming is a has a role in society, and it gets bad mouthed and 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 labelled. You know, technology always gets bad uh, bad press. You know, they were they were hunting, uh, you know, so called witches with pitchforks centuries ago, long before BlackBerry or Facebook or anything else came along. You know, so so it's never technology's fault. It's it's how human nature uses technology, and I. I'm impressed with things like Minecraft and Roblox because those are really positive ways of kids will be stuck to a screen, but they're learning something. They're learning how to build something, work with other people, overcome challenges. I have to 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 add that I like the way the games like that have evolved. You know, as much as the technology in the industry has evolved, Minecraft has evolved, and Roadblocks has evolved, and sometimes originally passed what the original spec of the yeah. title was meant to 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 do. You know, we're we're like I say a lot. We're limited only by our imaginations and our budgets. And if you give somebody the parameters like digital Lego, and people start constructing things, those titles evolve to start catering for the user's needs and like, a, like an entire operational Rivendell in Minecraft yeah, exactly. you know, or scenes from the Matrix. I think in terms if we think about education and we think about it without being tied to the past and the past techniques and we know that kids coming out of school now are probably going to have jobs that haven't been written before. Esports players that wasn't available. Social media managers, uh, you know, b- b- there are a whole bunch of, of of technologies and and job roles that just aren't available, weren't available, and I just see that that if not being a gamer, then being a presenter or a, a, a caster for a gamer, you know, even just designing a, games, or an writing, the commenting yeah. about games. The gaming well, industry there's a whole is going to be system that you know a whole lot of subsidiary roles that that form around the core of of something like esports. So let's talk about that because that's actually what MTN's doing, and I and I think part of what impresses me about that is that whether we like it or not, this is a cloud-based system, and if the servers, the cloud is lo- closer to you in country. You're going to have a better gaming experience, and I think that's that's key to to the experience. Latency is everything. Well, I think that there are two parts to to that. I mean, the one is the network itself, and obviously, you know, we've rolled out a, a 5G network and continue to to expand that, and you know, have the best network in the country. The other side of it is the is the hardware. 
you know, the graphics cards, the CPUs, yeah. you know, and, 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 and I think there's a, there are many parts to, to something like, like cloud gaming. Uh, you know, the other component is the, is the devices. So it's each of those elements are, are evolving. Um, and I think we're, we're on the cusp of, of some quite radical kind of change in, oh, in, in the industry. The gamers are going to be thrilled. Cloud gaming, first of all, maybe just to, to talk a bit about that, because I think that's where, where we see the future of gaming going. And, and it's not to say that, that console and PC-based gaming is, is going away anytime soon. Those are, are, are massive industries. But I think the ability to, to stream games to a device changes things completely. I mean, I think people talk about Netflix and, and, and I've spent a lot of my career in, in the TV industry. Yeah. So I launched the, the first kind of video on demand service in this country. I remember. Um, DSTV catch up. Yes. And, and, and I think cloud gaming is in a, in a similar space right now where people are taking the old media and putting it on the new medium. So oh, the same way nice that we've got TV and we've got TV shows and then we made them available on demand, but it was the same TV shows. And, and the way in which video on demand has evolved over those, I mean, I think I launched that probably in 2008 or so. Now we've got Netflix and, and people creating shows directly for video on demand. I mean, Shocker is being launched by, by Showmax tonight yeah. is the big premiere. And, and there's a show made for video on demand, not for pure TV. And in, in my mind, I'm a, I'm a big Marshall McLuhan fan. Yes. Um, and I believe the medium is the message. And I think we're in those early stages, similar to the internet, where people just took like newspapers and put it on the internet. And that's not what the, the silver bullet and the killer app has been on the internet. It's social media. And the same thing is going to happen in cloud gaming. I think it is a, a new medium. In the, we were talking about the Wii earlier. Yeah. In the same way that the Wii was a, a new platform for games, I think the future of cloud gaming in is, is being a new platform for cloud-native games, games that are developed yeah. specifically for the cloud. Because, you know, taking high-end console games and, and playing them over the cloud and streaming them, yeah, oh, it's it's okay. It's possible if you've it's, got it's a, if you if you've got fiber. I say I say that anyone with fiber is the internet one percent anywhere in the world. If you've got fiber, you've got robust, fast, low latency. Don't forget about high end five G at fifty megs a second. I was about <laughs> I was about to say my definition has evolved because actually very often I find myself using five G more than I use my Wi-Fi. I often turn off my Wi-Fi. There's so many problems with fiber, you know, and I experience the same thing on 5G. I mean, I'm, you know the old joke about what was the killer app for 3G? Speedtest.net. <laughs> <laughs> Which for the geeks, if you don't know, it's the app you use to test how fast your, your data speed is. And I still have it on my phone and I still test it and... I'm impressed to say 5G and fiber are pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, and, and the way in which it, I, I mean, I, mean I, I believe that cloud gaming is, is almost like a, a use case for 5G. Yeah. 5G gives, makes everything faster. But it's, it's the radical change. It's, it's the thing that, that could enable the change in an industry. Um, that, and yeah, for me, it's one of those. Well, what, can, 
those but, big things. But but I think you're right there. I mean, I, I just had a like a personal epiphany. So one of the things I've always turned off on my mobile data is is big data consumers, uh, Spotify, podcasts, Audible, and I, I kind of looked at my my usage. I get 25 gigs a month, and I looked at it and I realized I never use my full amount wow. ever, and I and I realized that I was still behaving towards cellular data in a very outdated way and i needed to update my information and i changed it and i and I've, it's been a couple of weeks and, I, and i'm watching because i'm curious mm. and i don't think i've used that much more data in terms of my the monthly cap that i pay for but what has significantly changed is i no longer have to fiddle with any of those apps, if there's something in the app I don't want it to be. So now I'm not a gamer, but I'm someone who's mobile, using my mobile device for the things I want to use it for. And my experience of it has completely changed because actually I'm stuck in a space where it's it's a finite resource and I have to jealously guard it because I'm going to run out. And yet, actually, I, I, I've survived. I think uh, you guys missed a, a very key, important uh, component when you're talking about about cloud gaming. I think, you, you know, we like to to look at AAA gaming. We look at the new consoles and and uh, like high performing PCs, but the reality is most of the people in this country and in this continent as a whole can't afford yeah, those exactly. types of devices. So you know, for me, what excites me about cloud gaming is how it significantly lowers the barriers to entry and can democratize gaming as a whole. You know, to me, that's the first step. And as that technology matures and yeah. gets better, then we can explode into other peripheral areas. Then it, it starts becoming a viable, viable medium for high-end esports. Uh, and then again, it opens up even more avenues for content creators, for the athletes, for the broadcasters, for the shoutcasters, for the analysts. And that's essentially, uh, I think, it's a, a whole industry, isn't it, Brad? It is a whole it's like, industry. And I, it's I, less us geeks can go to work in tackies and, and, and jeans, and it's legit. And hoodies. And, and, hoodies. And, and hoodies. And I've got to say, like, I hope somehow this reaches a lot of them. I think a lot of the, the publishers that have been rolling out these high-end cloud systems in the first world countries and a lot of them have failed like stadia and you know, but it hasn't always necessarily been because of the technology a lot of it has to do with the models and how the business models are evolving in and around the background but i, I sincerely have been trying to to put a lot of pressure and effort on these cloud guys to come to third world ter territories well, come to africa because uh, i'm sorry you're going to throw something at me for saying it but it is a literal game changer no, no, I'm, I'm about to fundamentally agree with you because as it happens, uh, the head of Microsoft Studios, Microsoft Gaming, a, a gamer called Phil, Phil Spencer, Spencer, was in Nairobi a couple of years ago. and I was there to go meet him. The only time I've ever been starstruck and it was actually thank you very much to Jason Probert who sent me. So. Well done. I, I, <laughs> I wasn't there to meet him, but I, I have a few friends in Nairobi who are in the tech industry and one of whom I was with um, – and him and I jumped on a bus with Phil Spencer. The PR people were mortified. But he said exactly what you just said, Jason, about mobile gaming and, and, and your sentiments as well, Brad. Like, he was like, why can't people here in Nairobi game the same way I do? And why should I, why can't I pick up where I was playing on my console on mobile and vice versa? And why can't I have the same experience on mobile that I do on 
uh, on desktop or through fiber. And, and he, you know, he's probably the most important man in gaming in the world and he gets it. And, he, and what he said to me was really wonderful. I said to him, I bet you, you know, your, your mother, your parents always said to you, stop gaming, you're never going to amount to anything. And now what do they say? Because you're like, and, and, and that's, the, that's the dream, isn't it? Like, I was never a sporty kid. I, I, like, I grew up in an arty family. My best friend was a Vonderkind who ended up working at Microsoft and having weekly meetings with Bill Gates. I got exposed to a whole bunch of non-sporty stuff. I wasn't really a good gamer. I was never a good sporter sporty person in the real world but look at how wonderful it is i've interviewed youngsters who are they grew up in a township they've got very little and yet they are a red bull international branded right. sports player right. like that was what boxing was yeah. in in the 1900s you know that that you know you, you know it, it it was boxing and then it was it was being a, a hip-hop musician you know it, it's so phenomenal that that your skill alone can make you a, 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 a Venus Williams of esports. No, I mean, I think that it, that's a crucial point. I mean, for me, it really is about the democratization of esports, that opportunity. Because, you know, if you, if you want to play esports now, I mean, how much are you forking out on your rig? Mm. You know, tens of thousands of, of rands for a high end rig in order to actually just participate effectively yeah. in, in esports. And, and for me and for us at MTN, it's about opening that up and allowing the mass market for anyone out there with a device, with a phone that they already have, yeah. to actually be able to play in tournaments and yeah. win. And, and, and not only that, I mean, I think we must also talk about the, the creator space yes. and, and, and the actual game development space, because I think that's a, another massive opportunity. It's fascinating, isn't it? A friend of mine is a... Is a audio genius and he's done the audio for a game that's now on netflix i mean the, the, the he's exposed me to a whole different understanding of of just how much goes into making a game and he's only doing the sound right. you know it's exactly. it, it's, a, it's it's a whole nother world it's it's people think the movie industry is, is gigantic gaming overtook the movie industry by a revenue a decade ago and the and the prospects for someone as a as a creative working in an industry, you're going to have a much bigger, better, well-paying career designing game worlds, characters, movements. It's a, and 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 a lot of that technology. Lest we forget the in the devil wears Prada scheme of things. A lot of that technology makes it out into the into the world in general. So you, you're not wearing like highly fashionable uh, Prada shoes, but you are using like really realistic avatar software that makes your experience on the internet or one day when it finally arrives the metaverse more real you know game play engines are phenomenal yeah, and, and they're out there and available you know you don't have to develop your own you can build on the back of unreal uh, you, you know i mean I, I had the privilege of going to to riot games to their studios in in california a few years ago wow and it's it's a campus with two thousand people all wearing hoodies and jeans and tackies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like, I think three different coffee shops. It was, it, it was quite, a, quite a thing. But, but that's what it required yeah. to get into the gaming industry and to build, like, it was that level, you, you know, it's, those are the resources. And, and, and I think cloud gaming opens up an opportunity to do 
smaller level things. So you don't have to build out a game that has got 20 levels and, and multiple characters. I think you can, you can create micro games. Um, and, and that's what we're doing with so our, our cloud gaming services, uh, Arena Plus. Yeah. Uh, that we've launched. We've got about five games over there, and they're all made, they're cloud-native games. Yeah. But we, we want to open that up to, to anyone who's developed a game because you can put out one level yeah. and play well, a tournament actually, where someone plays for a short period of time but can play multiple times and, and get but, into but, that. You don't need to think do about multi-level how, things. Think about how brilliant that is, right? Because I, I have just recently, I'm, I should have thought of this sooner, some experience in developing a mobile game, our, our you know, our other our other company, Africa, we've invented a game called Escom Commando, <laughs> which is Flappy Bird Hard, like Flappy Bird Hard, where your job is to be Cyril Ramaphosa and try and keep the lights on. And what's fascinating to me is it started as a pet project of our CTO, who's very shy and I'm not allowed to name him, but but it was his passion project. He launched it, and and I've watched the the, the life cycle in. You know, it's probably been six weeks since I heard about it and we launched it and we got it going. And it's really fascinating I, 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 to see that there's like a thriving, what did you call it, micro gaming industry. Mm. It's fantastic. And it's, as you say, creativity. It doesn't look like painting on a canvas, but it's profound creativity. Absolutely. I mean, Vitz has got a great course. You know, there's students studying and studying building games. Yeah, Chris, God bless Christo Doherty. <laughs> he was one of my lecturers at Rhodes. He's a, he's a brilliant man. I mean, Christo's been doing that. I mean, he set that up, that, that course, years ago and uh, still going strong. Um, but, but what happens next, you know, to, to, to those students, to, to those graduates? You know, for me, I, I want to create the space where they can actually commercialize their creativity and, you see, and now, if roll anyone, out games. If and, anyone else had and, said and, and, that. And monetize them. If anyone else had said that, I wouldn't believe them. But I've watched you do it on three different platforms. Um, the internet, broadcast, streaming, and now mobile. So South African gamers should say, thank God for Jason Probart, you know. And, and Amen. He's a visionary, and I think that's why I like working for him. Um, I've got to like add to what he was saying about the the casual space and the opportunities. And like he said, he went to Riot, and you have a campus of two thousand, and that's just the developers. Let I mean, alone the two thousand the, the, the part that I wasn't impressed about, Brad, is that you know coffee shops are a dime a dozen in California. I mean, the, <laughs> it's like caffeine is about ten percent of everybody's blood supply. <laughs> I, think, I think everything else sounded impressive. Only. Three coffee shops. I thought they were serious about business. You know, most gamers are, are caffeine-fueled life forms. But look, the reality where, where us elitist snobs like to play in, in the AAA space, you know, we want the brightest and the best yeah. and the newest type of technology. And that comes from the places like Riot and Blizzard and Activision and EA. But the part of the problem there is that it literally takes a city to build a game. And it takes exceptionally huge amounts of budgets. You know, it, yeah. like, like we saw how the billions that was invested in the creation of Grand Theft Auto, which is phenomenal. We, we, we like this industry. But part of the problem, if that title fails, that company is in a lot of trouble. Yeah. So they can't really afford to do that. So inherently, that stifles creativity because they keep rehashing the same thing and making the same yeah. things over and over. I mean, to use another analogy, it's the, the Hollywood sequel. 
A hundred percent. But it's, it's like find a franchise and then build it and keep that franchise going for as long as you can. And even, all, even look at the innovation in the AAA yeah. space. If you look at, if you look at like, the phenomenon that is Counter-Strike, that was a modification of Half-Life. I know. Dota was a modification of Warcraft. You know, it's come know. out of the garage. It comes out of the indie studio. You know, that's, so, and, and I love that. And the, 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 oh God, I'm going to embarrass myself. The card game that came out of, was it Dota? Oh, yes. Uh, well, the first one was on World of Warcraft called, exactly. called uh, Hearthstone. Yes, yeah. yes. And it became a, a game-playing card game. Now, yep. that's... Massive. That, you see, now, I mean, I wonder who's going to listen to this podcast, and I hope it's parents who want to know not to panic that their child is, is, is uh, spending so much time in front of their computer or their mobile device or whatever they're gaming on. But also the kids who are doing that to know that this is a bona fide industry. Yeah. You know, Phil Spencer is a gamer who totally made it and all he did was follow his passion. And, and that's what we say about so much in life. You know, you want to be Usain Bolt, you know, run lots and, you know, have a cool stance that goes with your surname. Yeah, you know? But he's put hours and hours exactly. and hours to be the best. And a lot to, if you're talking in the competitive space, in the esports space, to be part of the best, you need to put those hours in as well. So like everything in life, there's use and abuse. Yeah. Um, but uh, if this is reaching any parents with concerned uh, who, who have kids who are involved in the space, the only thing that I could say to them is get involved with them as much totally. as you can. Families that play together stay together. I think <laughs> it, it, it's a true story. Oh, that's the, that's the title of this podcast. <laughs> Families that play together stay together. But, but I, th I mean, I think about that and I think about being a kid and playing Rummy with my parents or my mother loved... Scrabble. I, I didn't. I don't know why. But she now plays Words with Friends with my sister in Florida, the real Florida in the pro promised land, not where MTN is. Um, and I mean, that's they play games with each other every single day. They live half a world away. That's profound stuff, you know, like we play games with our, our son every night. And I, whenever I go away to family places and I watch parents sitting playing cards with their kids, it's just a more digital way of doing exactly that. Well, we, I, I have a group of... Slightly more expensive as well. <laughs> it is. Look, I've got a group of, uh, of close friends who have moved all over the world. Yeah. So we have people literally in every continent. And every Wednesday, we get together and we play games together. And it's how we maintain our social structure. I love that. And we were doing this for three, four years prior to COVID. So when COVID hit, we already had our coping mechanisms Online. and our ways to stay social. And like you started the saying, it didn't impact young boys. As it, for us, it wasn't that difficult because we stayed. We had effective schedules and mechanisms to, to I mean, stay that, in That's touch. a lifetime of, of friendship based around gaming 100%. that doesn't involve being outside and being sweaty, which some of us just don't like. I'm not looking at you, Pale Oaks, okay? I'm talking about myself. Don't be so feeling so guilty. Look, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of, of uh, keeping the physical side up and, yeah. and not ignoring that, especially if you want to be yeah, an so. esports athlete, and they are athletes. Yeah. There is, you cannot neglect your body and your ability. Some of these games, like Counter-Strike games, when they go into overtime, they can go 16, 17 hours long. Do you know what focus and what energy you need and to be fitness. able to do that? These, you can mock it all you like. If you can, con if you can consider a guy 
who hits a, a, a golf ball and smokes on a course an athlete, you can consider a guy who can do 130 actions per second a, a sportsman. Yeah, I'm on your side. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, sorry. <laughs> I'm just used to defending it, I guess. <laughs> but, 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 but I also think that there, there are games that actually combine the two. Yeah. You can get sweaty playing a game. I'm a Zwifter. You know, so, so I ride my bike mm. um, on Zwift and, and cycle in, in races yeah. with people. Yeah, in yeah a, my in, crazy in, business partner too. In, in, in a virtual world. But, yeah, but, but hang on a second. To come back to your point, Brad, one of the guys who worked for me must have lost like 10 kilograms after COVID. I said to him, what have you been doing? And he said, high-intensity workouts. And I said to him, oh, What? He was gaming. Xbox, His yeah. heart rate went up. He experienced. So he was, he, and he's smart enough to calculate, also a bit self-justifying like me, <laughs> that playing games increased his heart rate, made him burn calories, and he lost the weight. I mean, that's, you know, that, and he didn't have to get on a bicycle <laughs> plugged into the internet. <laughs> Listen, gentlemen, this has been a fantastic conversation about why gaming has the role it still does. And that we, we make a mistake, I think, as parents are saying our kids are stuck to the screen. But actually, there's a whole bunch of life skills that they're going to learn. And if they don't participate in the medium of the day, they're just going to be left behind. That's kind of my, my logic around it. I don't know what you 100%. think. 100%. I mean, I think the world our kids live in. And the world we grew up in are exactly. completely different. Yeah. They, they live in a, a digital native, you know, digital first environment. We, we simply didn't. And we can't project our values and things onto them when they live in a different world. And, and it, it's completely different. And, and their kids are going to live in a completely exactly. different world as well. I mean, the kids being born now compared to mine who are leaving school. Um, they will not, they will different. never experience linear television. They would never experience life without an always on internet connected device. Some fools in the past called a phone, <laughs> you know, like that. That, that this it's is a, just the state of being. It's yeah, an ICD. Yeah, exactly. It's a. It also has to be probably one of the fastest evolving technologies that I've seen, and I think that the medium itself the, of its evolution is what's kept me interested for so long. Um, you know, in a lot of other industries, once you've been in it for two, three years, there's not much yeah. more to learn. Yeah. Within the gaming space, it's constantly evolving, and it drives evolution in other industries as well. So it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It keeps you interested. You will never get bored. Like they say, find a job that you love, and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah, it's a good point. Well, I, I, I like to think journalism's like that some days. <laughs> and other days, not. <laughs> Gentlemen, not on thank, deadline day. Not on deadline day. Thank you very much, Jason Probart, the general manager of digital services at MTN South Africa, and Brad Kirby, whose unenviable job is head of gaming and esports. Can you believe it? The poor guy. Both of you have tough jobs. I'm really sorry. And you have to go to work in tackies and jeans. Thank you very much for being on T2S2. This is a podcast of Stuffs. You can read more every day on stuff.co.za. Our executive producer is Sally Hudson. Hans Baumgarten is our genius non-game playing technical director. And 
You can subscribe or like this podcast wherever you get it. It really does help. Thanks for listening. Thank you.